hey, John, we're in our time machine. Whoa. And we are flying over this cornfield in the middle of Indiana. <gasps> oh, my God. Oh, what is going on? This airplane is crop dusting fields without crops in them. <gasps> I, know, oh, no. I noticed that, too. He's, <laughs> he's heading towards us, John. Uh -oh. He's heading towards us. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Are we dead? Is this the finale? <laughs> no, we somehow survived. <laughs> Start the show! <laughs> toot toot. toot, toot. <laughs> Come on down, step right into the box office time machine. We'll talk about a movie, perhaps even two. One of them is old and the other brand new. That was a perfect intro. Thank you. And by the way, in case anyone didn't know, uh, when we said toot toot, that wasn't the sound of our time machine. That was the sound of a train suggestively going into a tunnel. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> Thanks to the haze code. <laughs> uh, John, how are you doing today? I'm doing swell. Uh, folks, I hope you don't listen to this show for uh, the, the pleasant sounds of beer cans popping. Because uh, not today, because this is a morning recording. I Veronica, know. how are you doing? I'm doing okay. Doing pretty good. I immediately upgraded myself. <laughs> yeah, you know what? You deserve it. Thank you. Thank Lean you. in. Do um, great. No, thanks. Thank you for being an ally, John. <laughs> girl boss. Hashtag girl boss. Uh, um, uh, uh, I just want to get uh, all the gender politics out of the way now before we talk about today's movie, North by Northwest. Do, 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 do. No, that's James Bond. Well, you know, Wikipedia tells me some people called this the first James Bond movie as it was a template. Uh, yada, yada, yada. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I feel like uh, this year we have been overly hitting 1999 as a we lived through it and b it's famous for one of being the best uh for being one of the best movie years ever uh so this year for the, the i believe first time on this show we have traveled back 50 years I know. to this weekend in 1969 to watch alfred hitchcock's north by northwest Ooh, actually, we traveled back even further. We traveled back 60 years. Is that true? To Did I do math? Holy shit. Yeah. Wow. I didn't, that makes sense now, actually. <laughs> uh, now that I think about it, yeah, that makes uh, complete sense. 19, <laughs> yeah, uh, hair was going on on the back. <laughs> the production of hair was, was running in the background of this show. Yeah, no, this is very 1959. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we traveled. Good start to the episode. Uh, well, South by Southeast from 1969. <laughs> Directed by George McCloop. <laughs> <laughs> George McCloop. Uh, anyway, uh, so yeah, we watched North by Northwest. Uh, this is one of my favorite Hitchcock movies, if not my favorite. Oh. Uh, you have never seen it before. Yeah, I had never seen it before. This was a, uh, a weird uh, blank spot. I had a big um, uh, Hitchcock kick, Hitch kick, Hotch kick. Hick. Hick. I had a huge hick. Everyone knows what I mean. <laughs> when you hear the word hick, you know it means Hitchcock, Hitchcock kick. I had a huge hick in middle school. 
I watched, uh, you know, Rear Window Me and Psycho too. and yeah. Bird and the Birds. Um, uh, but I, I don't know that I caught that many others. I feel uh, like kids in middle school either have Led Zeppelin kicks or Alfred Hitchcock kicks. And one of <laughs> those, those so one type of kid grows up to get laid. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I, I, I think it's it's funny. Yeah, I didn't see this. I wanted to watch all the ones I guess that the Simpsons were parodying. But certainly the Simpsons parodied North by Northwest a lot. However, I don't know, for whatever reason, I didn't see it. And I actually, I didn't catch Vertigo until a few years ago. Oh, I'm so um, sorry. It's a terrible disease. <laughs> yes. The affliction of vertigo. I also like the uh, idea that you can catch it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Someone you else been vaccinated against vertigo. I was standing on a tall building and someone else was dizzy and they coughed on me. Um, uh, no, so this was the first time I ever saw this. And uh, my first thing, uh, seeing it for the first time, I didn't realize it was a fucking comedy. Oh, yeah, it's pretty, like, uh, it's uh, witty, I would say. It has a lot of bon mots. The entire, fir- like, um, all right, so uh, 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 just a brief setup. Uh, uh, North by Northwest is a case of mistaken identity Ooh. about a foppish ad exec, urban sophistic- prissy urban sophisticate named um, Roger, Roger Thornhill. Thornhill. Yes, we'll be doing the whole episode in our Cary Grant voices. Uh, and af- and the type of guy who is in his, I'm gonna, at 59, I can look at someone and be like, yeah, they're in their 50s. And then they could have a line of dialogue where like, I'm 26. <laughs> the old Beverly Hills Night of 209 But no, it's just like they live so much differently. And we can get to the actual 26-year-old character in this movie soon so um, at the time Cary grant was 55 okay okay cool with the way they smoked back then you could have said he was 38 and i'd be like i guess that's true um but yeah he, he uh, he's a guy in his 50s the kind of guy who's still who's constantly calling his mother and worrying that his secretary might call her while she's at a bridge game which um, was i've I found that quite charming. Oh. How like his relationship with his mom. I love that's one of I my love favorite it. well, parts. It's, it's just so much of a. I just had did not realize how much of a comedic character this was. Yeah. And speaking, I would say only this and Hobbs and Shaw have done a worse job of casting an actress to play an actor's mother who's clearly the same age as yeah, him. Yeah, I think she's famously maybe ten years older than he is. She so should be playing his wife. It's insane. <laughs> Uh, he has so much more gray in his hair than well, she does. Well, he's an eligible bachelor, you see. Yes, yes. Um, uh, but yeah, it starts and it's... Yeah, she's eight years older than he is in real life. That's great. Um, <laughs> so this, you know, uh, so due to a misunderstanding at a restaurant, he gets caught up in a whirlwind of of uh, Cold War spy shenanigans. Uh-huh. Um, and, <laughs> and like the whole first act... With all the misunderstandings, like, there's lines of dialogue. They could shoot this script right now right. as just a comedy. Like, this could be a Coen Brothers movie starring John Turturro. <laughs> this could be a Wes Anderson movie starring Jason uh, Schwartzman. Like, and you would change nothing. When he first uh, gets kidnapped and they bring him into a room in a mansion and the thugs leave him there and he's just like, he's just like, oh, well, I guess I'll catch up on my reading then while I wait. <laughs> I'm like, this should be fucking Jason Schwartzman in a sequel to Game Night. 
I just had no idea how much of a comedy it was. Yeah, it's very it's very funny and silly, which I think is part of its charm for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Also, on the Wikipedia, I saw that um, the screenwriter <laughs> decided he wanted to write the Hitchcockiest Hitchcock movie ever. <laughs> and you can totally feel that this is the movie where they're like, oh, and then what would happen next? Oh, yeah. Then he gets framed for killing someone. Where? 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 How about at the fucking UN? Yeah. How about <laughs> someone throws a knife into this guy's back? And yeah, it's yeah, it's really fun. It seemed like they were really like. All the set pieces are very creative, mm -hmm. and I mean, there's the famous crop duster scene, of course, but also just like Mount Rushmore, like all that stuff is like so fun and energetic and great, and you don't feel like this is like a two-hour-plus movie. Yeah, for sure. No, I, 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 let me let me try to do a very quick rundown of the plot. Uh -huh. So, um, Roger Thornhill, this uh, <laughs> this prissy suburbanite, um, gets confused for uh, is at a restaurant with his co uh, ad exec colleagues. He's at the Oak Room at the Plaza. This is very much um, this is the type of character that Pete Campbell from Mad Men wanted to be. Yeah. Uh, this is Pete Campbell plus twenty years. <laughs> um, I guess twenty five years. Pete Campbell's supposed to be like. 12 when that show starts. Yeah, Pete Campbell <laughs> is just an adolescent wee lad. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, uh, Roger Thornhill, he goes to a restaurant. Two thugs are trying to find someone named George Kaplan. So they ask a waiter to call out George Kaplan's name. At that exact moment, Roger Thornhill <laughs> calls the, the waiter over to send an urgent message to his mother. Yeah, because <laughs> she's going to be at the bridge game and the telegram is not going to reach her in time. He's devastated <laughs> that his secretary is going to try to call her at a bridge game <laughs> and the bridge game is at a, an apartment that doesn't have a phone yet. That's another um, Pete Campbell thing, I guess, because yep. he also had like weird mommy issues. <laughs> uh. Uh, so, he, so the thugs think he is responding to the waiter calling out the name George. Yeah, uh, in a misunderstanding Kaplan. worthy of Three's Company. <laughs> Yeah, it's hilarious. So they <laughs> kidnap him with a gun. He has a bunch of fun. Uh, he said one of his fun verbal tics is he says the word slightly a lot. Like he's like, well, I better let my friends know that I'm coming down with a case of being slightly kidnapped. <laughs> um, and he is kidnapped, brought to a mansion somewhere where James Mason appears. Oh, also one of the thugs is a young Martin Landau looking yeah. very creepy. I know. It's he's so great. weird. It's so weird to see him young, though. Yeah. Uh, this is like Mission Impossible. Oh, I guess this is a few years before Mission Impossible because that would have been a 60s show. True. Um, uh, Martin Landau is the thug Leonard. Um, I forgot the other thug's name, um, but he looks like the older brother from Wonder Years. I don't know. There's what. one named Valerian, I, I think. I guess that's probably him. Is he one of the two at the end? Uh, he falls he, off uh, Mount Rushmore. Spoilers. Yeah, so that's Valerian. Cool. Yeah. Adam Williams. Um, Adam Williams as Valerian and uh, the city of a thousand planets. Yeah, he and uh, <laughs> Cara Delevingne. <laughs> Cara Delevingne. Um, so, uh, so James Mason as Van Dam comes out, and they clearly confused him for someone else, and they are trying to get him to do... Well, at that point, he is not introduced as Van Dam. He's introduced as Mr. Right. Townsend. You're right. Uh, James From Glencove, New York. Uh, and he said he is um, uh, uh, a Mr. Townsend, and they threaten um, uh, Thornhill, try to get him to do something. He refuses because he has theater tickets that night. <laughs> um, so they decide to kill him. 
by getting him this is again when the movie is full on a comedy uh, and they bring they go into a cabinet and start getting liquor bottles and I'm like oh no Martin Landau is going to poison him no they get him hammered drunk and put him in a car and then there is an action sequence where he knocks Valerian out of the car Valerian's trying to drive the car off a cliff with oh uh, no I thought Thornhill he inside. jumps out so that he can drive himself off a cliff I there is a moment I think Thornhill works up the strengths to push uh, Valerian okay. out, but obviously Valerian was going to jump out anyway, so yeah. it doesn't really matter. But yes, uh, Thornhill wakes up a little early, and then there is an action sequence where he drives drunk very slowly. Um, he ends up uh, a big rear pre- rear projection driving action sequence, only with um, Cary Grant making silly drunk faces <laughs> the whole time. Uh, he then runs in. They chase after him to kill him. But fortunately for him, in a way, he runs into a police car. They arrest him. There's a bunch of funny comedic business where he's like, I'm not drunk. The thugs tried to get They made me drink the alcohol. <laughs> um, so they arrest him. Uh, he calls his mother. His mother appears. They go to trial the next day. He says, no, someone tried, to, uh, uh, a man in a mansion tried to kill me. Uh, so they go to the mansion. And it is a real revealed that uh, Mr. What was the, the also great commentary on the fact that like you can just be a drunk driving idiot, but if you're rich enough, you can just like oh, get to this is yeah. the most like white privilege thing ever. Yeah. The dude ran into a car, a uh, police car, clearly hammered drunk. I also learned from this movie what uh, 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 alcohol tests before the breathalyzer was. It involved yeah. <laughs> a series of difficult questions and then a, a blood test. Yeah, which I technically, dear listener, you can request. As opposed to a breathalyzer? Yeah. In case you think a breathalyzer is faulty? Yeah, something like that. I gotcha. Good to know. Or if there's like a scenario where you can like not like breathe well enough into the breathalyzer okay. or whatever, you can request a blood test. I need my precious breath. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, but then all someone that... told me to save my breath earlier today. So, so this dude r- hammer drunk. They did an alcohol test. He's clearly drunk. Runs into a cop car. Tell then the next morning tells them, "Oh no, I was." kidnapped and forced to get drunk and the judge is like well you seem white and well dressed enough i guess we better expend detective hours to check out your claim but anyway they go to the mansion this is one of the only like things that i mean there's so many places here where you can be like had they just done this this movie would not happen but, like, the thing with the police, because they're, like, the local Glencove police. Yeah. We later find out that this Townsend guy is pretending to be Townsend, and the real Townsend is at the UN, yeah. and his wife is dead. This woman opens the door and Presumably pretends his to gardener. be... But she pretends to be Mrs. Townsend mm-hmm. for the police as well. The police... Should recognize it, it. Yeah, the police in the local town should know that this guy who's talking at the UN, so presumably a fairly famous guy... Uh, is a widower. <laughs> um, I was fine with this. Let's just say this isn't this isn't the female character whose behavior I had a massive problem with. Okay, for sure. Um, uh, I was fine with this. I also, like, it takes a very long time for Thornhill to, when he goes to meet Van Damme, to just be like, no, I'm the wrong guy. Like, it took him forever to just be like, I have ID. But even then, Landau's like, oh, the CIA gives you such fake IDs. Yeah. Such good fake IDs. Anyway, so they go to the mansion, and he's like, see, these are the people. And then uh, a woman comes out and clearly in leagues with the criminal 
McDonald's, pretends that he got drunk at a party, and also reveals that the man who lives in that hat mansion is um, <laughs> works at the UN, yeah. thus really shitting all over his claim that it's a bunch of evil criminals. So then he uh, gets a house to the UN. Well, oh no! So first he comes back to the plaza. Uh, to George Kaplan's room with right. his mother. He brings his mother to <laughs> snoop around. They sneak into George Kaplan's room. There's a big fun thing. There's a big, very silly, weird thing with a with a maid where he's like, why did you call me Kaplan? Does Kaplan look like me? And she's like, no, you're, you're in his room. And he's like, I see. <laughs> um, uh, I'm not 100% sure why that bit needed to be in the movie, but it is. I um, think it needs to establish... Because I think at that point, we still don't know that the FBI, CIA, and the alphabet soup, as later on the the professor calls it, uh, <laughs> are, are the ones who devised the Kaplan ruse. So we still don't know whether it's a fake person or not, I think, yeah, at that point. I, well, we're still supposed to. My guess is this is supposed to be the first th sign that he's not a complete idiot. Right. Because he's like, this also, he gets a phone call from someone who's, uh, I think it's Martin Landau's character, and he very smartly calls down, and they're like, glad to see you're in, Mr. Kaplan. And he quickly calls back to the front desk, and it's like, did someone call me from the lobby? And they did, so he knows that they're coming to kill him. So he's like, mother, we have to get out of here. They're coming to kill me. And she's like, oh, sure, <laughs> Roger. I'd love to meet these quote-unquote, killers of yours. <laughs> uh, and this leads to a very funny scene where they're all in an elevator together. Yeah. Um, anyway, I'll speed through. He escapes uh, from the criminals by pushing a bunch, <laughs> by, uh, pushing a bunch of women in front of them, uh, saying, whoa, ladies first, ladies first. Very funny. He runs away. He gets to the UN, hops in, uh, steals a cab. There's multiple scenes of him stealing cabs. Always <laughs> funny. Um, gets to the UN, finds the guy, uh, looks, tracks down the name of... The guy, James Mason's character, thinking that that he worked at the UN, turns out he's just using the mansion of the UN guy um, because that guy lives in New York while the UN is in session. Mm -hmm. um, he meets with the real guy at the UN who's very confused to meet him and then is instantly accidentally murdered by Valerian <laughs> who throws a knife in his back, presumably trying to hit Roger. And Roger Thornhill, like... Yeah, it's not clear whether he's trying to kill which one of them he's trying to kill, but yeah. I think he's trying to kill Roger, but what this means is, of course, like any idiot in a movie, Roger then reaches down, picks up the knife, and stands over the dead body like, what? Yeah. In uh, one of my favorite comedic bits, the dude right next to him turns around, revealing that he's holding a giant photo camera <laughs> and takes a picture of Roger holding the knife, which is instantly on the front page as man uh, man murders uh, a guy in UN. And now there is a full country manhunt for Roger. Yes. We then cut to the FBI CIA guys who reveal that they were behind all of this, that there is no George Kaplan. And they're just like, well... Now this guy accidentally made our fake George Kaplan ploy become real. I guess we should just go with it. That's sort of Sorry, like, dude. That's kind of the equivalent of like the burn after reading J.K. Simmons yes. scenes where it's like, well, report back to me when it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we then cut to uh, a bunch of Matt Painting standing in for Grand Central. 
Um, <laughs> but a great scene where he's uh, being chased by police through Grand Central. He sneaks onto a train traveling to, where's it going to? Chicago. Traveling to. He, so he found out that, oh, when he was with uh, Townsend, I think he found out that he's due to check in in Chicago as Kaplan and then in like, Grand Rapids or Rapid City, South Dakota. Right. He returned to the hotel and they said that Kaplan checked out. Yeah. And so so he is now traveling to Chicago to see who this Kaplan dude is. And so, yeah, so he sneaks onto the train where he meets. Uh, what's her name? Eve Kendall. Eve. Yes. Eve, uh, yeah. Eve Kendall, a beautiful woman who knows that he's being chased by the police, but decides to help him. For uh, reasons. reasons. Um, <laughs> so she helps him. Then they meet. Uh, she hits on him. Reveals that she in in uh, one of the, one of those one of those lines that really hurts. Uh, he asks her asks her information about herself, and she says, "Well, I'm 26 and unmarried, and I guess that's all you need to know about me." Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Does Woo, it hurt? 1959. Does it also hurt you that she's younger than you? Younger than me. It hurts for so many reasons. <laughs> it mostly hurts that the movie wants us to believe that these two people would be attracted to each other. Or at least that she would be attracted to this idiot who is 30 years her senior. What are you talking about? He's a dapper Dan of a man. <laughs> He's a fucking moron. Um, uh, but so he hides inside her uh, cabin. Um, they deaf fuck in the fuck in that train. Well, they definitely awkwardly kiss with like the weirdest way that you can hold the back of another person's head. <laughs> Clearly, I guess for the cameras, but it looks so fake. It looks like they're like handling like some sort of like you know like when you're making like pottery on a kiln or something. It's I... like. Uh... I really like this movie, but this is the crater. This is where the movie suddenly drops down. Anything, I, it's not, what's the actress's name? Eve Marie Saint? Yeah. It's not her fault. This character sucks so much. Yeah, well, she like, has like a nothing burger of a role. There is, so coming up, so at, they spend the night together. He, she protects him from police that are going by. And then it, then in one, what should save her character we see that she's actually in league with the thugs. She sends a letter to um, Valerian and Leonard, who are also on the train, saying, what should I do with him in the morning? Mm -hmm. Then they get to Chicago. And he pretends to be. Oh, so he pretends to be a bellhop to oh, yeah. <laughs> carrying her bags to escape. And then finally, like the bellhop that I guess he paid off to get his uniform uh, is like is alerting the police as to what happened. And then, uh, but you see that the bellhop is so tiny. He's like a tiny <laughs> man. And like, Cary Grant is huge. I also, <laughs> I this was unclear. Do you think the bellhop was actually, I, I thought that he was pointing them in the wrong way. Uh, we think that he's telling them where where uh, Roger and Eve are, but then he, he pulls out money and he actually gave them the wrong information because he actually, instead of being, we think he was beaten up and had his costume taken, but they actually just paid him off. Yeah, I think they paid him off, but I think he was just a sneaky operator. He, just he like, wanted to have it both ways. Either way, it's unimportant. Yeah. Uh, Roger gets away. <laughs> we have a very fun scene where he's in a train station bathroom shaving, but all he has is Eve's teeny tiny, like, I guess... Lady razor? Lady razor? <laughs> what, what would you say she uses that razor for? 
like her legs. tiny whiskers, her legs. Yeah, she shaves God, her it legs. It would take her fucking three hours. Well, I, I don't know. Maybe she doesn't have a lot of hair. She's <laughs> blonde. I don't know. <laughs> um, yes, it, but it's very funny. Uh, uh, what took you so long? Large face, small razor. <laughs> uh, but anyway, she puts him on a bus to go somewhere. Yeah, so he asks her to call Kaplan and schedule an appointment, and he thinks that she has done that and it has given him directions to mm-hmm. meet him somewhere in Indiana in the middle of nowhere. But he actually called Leonard. Ooh. And so he goes into the middle of nowhere on a bus with no name, and uh, he just stands there wandering, and all of a sudden there are these crop dusting airplane <laughs> happening. Well, this scene is, so um, one of my favorite scenes of anything ever is um, the end of the episode, without spoiling anything, the end of the episode one minute from Breaking Bad. Mm. Which um, one is that? Uh, let's see. What can I say without spoiling anything? It's it's Breaking Bad. It's Hank, been over. Yeah. Well, maybe people are catching up because El Camino is about to air. Um, it's Hank in the parking lot getting the phone call. Oh, oh God! You got to be more specific than Han- that. Uh, the twins. Hank is in a phone call. Oh, so this is like early. The twins. The twins are like season two, right? No, I think it's season four. Really? I don't know, but it's a Michelle McLaren episode, and um, anyway, Hank. I'm gonna look this up. Hank is sitting in a for no reason. Without well, Hank gets a phone call from someone who says someone's coming to kill you. They'll be there in one minute. Oh, third season. Third season. Yeah. Um, but similar, and it's one of my favorite. It's so tense, but similar to that uh, that scene, um, we have a character we know someone's trying to kill them. We don't know where they're coming. At where the killer is coming from, and it's just them waiting in silence for like a full minute, and it's just, it's so tense and so wonderful, mm-hmm. and it's just Cary Grant scowling in the middle of nowhere, and then another dude comes, so it's just the <laughs> two of them standing on across the street. A bunch of cars drive by. We're like, oh no, are they gonna shoot him? Then they go by, um, and then he talks to the guy, and the guy's like, I'm just waiting for the bus, dude, <laughs> and. So I have never seen this movie. Obviously, I know. Uh, we all know from just cultural osmosis the shot of Cary Grant being chased by a crop duster with a gun. What I did not realize is that was the punchline of this scene. <laughs> a full scene where it's like, what, what's gonna? where's the killer coming from? What, is it going to be this car? Is it going to be this car? Is it going to be that dude? No, it's the stupidest thing imaginable. <laughs> it's a plane. Why are, it is so insane that they choose to kill him with a plane, but it's hilarious. Yeah, it's like so, like, what's the word? Inefficient. Yeah. Like, it's like, there's one, first of all, you have to rely on him actually getting to the spot. Yeah. Like, he could have just not gone. So that's one thing. But also, like, yeah, like, finding him from such that height and, like, being able to get him from that. And then, there's uh, yeah. Literally but no <laughs> benefit for them. They have to rent a plane. Yeah. One of them has to be a pilot. I guess I guess they have a was that wasn't well, their plane from the end of the movie. No, so I think it's like someone else because they're all alive after and Oh yeah, because this, this pilot dies. Yeah, this plane crashes into a gas tanker. So they, they <laughs> send a pilot, they get a plane. The pilot has to 
fake cropping dust for uh, cropping uh, uh, dusting crops, dusting, cropping <laughs> dust. dust. They have to fake dusting crops for like I guess hours waiting for this bus to get here then like what is their benefit they shoot him he still gets shot why not just wait for the bus to get there and then just drive over and shoot him in the face there's yeah. nowhere for him to go yeah yeah it's it's purely there for cinematic reasons and but because this is a silly comedy it 100 percent works yeah it's great um, so he escapes, uh, oh, he also, he runs away from the, hides in the crops, and of course, the crop duster begins dusting the crops, <laughs> um, then he runs away, he sees a truck coming, it's a great thing where he jumps in front of the truck, tries to stop it, truck almost hits him, and then the plane, of course, crashes into the truck, <laughs> it's a fuel tanker, and it fucking explodes, <laughs> uh, so then he, a bunch of onlookers come to see the explosion, he steals their car, drives away, drives to Chicago, he goes to the hotel that he was originally told about, sees that... He sees Oh, no, Eve. this is where he was t he's told that uh, uh, Kaplan checked out. Uh, so, n n yes, he, he's then told that Kaplan checked out in an hour or two hours before. Absolutely none of this matters. <laughs> yeah, so he's, yeah, so he's being told that Kaplan checked out uh, at 7 a.m., but he's like, oh, that's curious. We called him at 9, and he told me to meet him at the crop duster place. <laughs> and so he, but then he sees Eve, and he's like, uh-huh. This is important. This is how he realizes that yeah. Eve is actually not on his side. Yes. So then he goes and he confronts, uh... Is, this is where he confronts them at the uh, art auction, right? Yeah, so he first confronts her. So he, like, actually goes up to her room and he, like, <laughs> half, like, seduces, half confronts her. They have, like, that kind of relationship. And then... I and have then so much she to get, say about Eve after we're done the plot analysis. And so she gets a phone call and she writes down where to go. And then he, she's like, stay here and oh, we'll right. go on uh, to dinner or whatever. And then he, like, does the... The Big Lebowski thing. Yeah, the Big Lebo the thing that always works, I'm sure, where he, like, uh, sort of, like, pencils over the sheet of paper to see the imprint. <laughs> and so he then follows her to what turns out to be an auction house. Yeah, and he gets there, and he confronts... Uh, he, <laughs> he confronts uh, uh, Van Damme. Do we know his name yet, is Van Damme? Uh, I think that's when... Oh, he finds out because yeah. the auctioneer calls out... Uh, sold to Mr. Van Damme. And that's when I think they're auctioning off the MacGuffin, which doesn't matter. But yes, yes uh, it's the famously, monkey. it's a, a an idol of a monkey yeah. that Van Damme buys. So then um, uh, Roger appears, confronts them. He's still covered in... Oh, no, he's changed after the hotel room. Yeah. Because um, it takes only 20 minutes to press and dry a suit. Oh, yeah. The other great the other great <laughs> thing is, I've read, like, yeah, when he goes to see the bellhop, he is covered in dirt and dust, <laughs> and he looks like a crazy person. And he goes up, and he's like, and he sees Eve get on the elevator and go to floor four. And he's like, oh, hey, by the way, my friend Eve Kendall's here. She's at room four something or other. Could you tell me what that is? And the bellhop's like, oh, you, a crazy man covered in literal dirt, want to know the room that a woman is staying in alone? <laughs> sure, let me give you, here we go, 423. Have fun murdering her, sir. <laughs> well, he has the gravitas. Yes, he has that, that, uh, that accent. Yeah, uh, and so uh, Cary Grant confronts them, or Roger Thornhill confronts them, the baddies, but he can't escape. 
because he they have them cornered from every corner of the auction house. So he then <laughs> proceeds to just troll the auctioneer. <laughs> well, he realizes um, they they justify this kind of in a line that he says to um, Van Dam, where he's like he's like I'm starting to think it'd be worse for you if I went to the police, right? Which yeah, he- doesn't really make any sense at this point, but. We'll go with it. And Van Damme's like, no, don't go to the police. Uh, This is also where we introduce the idea that Van Damme and Roger are in love with Eve. Oh, this sucks. Um, (laughs) uh, And that Eve is maybe in love with Roger. Oh, that really sucks. (laughs) Um, But there's a weird lover's triangle. Um, But more importantly, a bunch of hitmen start advancing on Roger. However, he realizes his only saving grace is to get arrested. And the only way to do that is to act like a drunk lunatic at the (laughs) auction, which is very silly and very funny. Yeah. And so he basically just like doubts the pricing of items (laughs) out loud. Until, yeah, he gets escorted out by Chicago's finest. I bid $15 because that's a piece of shit. (laughs) And so uh, as they drive him to the station, they get a cryptic, I think, like message or something that tells them to actually divert him to an airport. They think he's a drunk lunatic and he reveals he's actually the one wanted all across the country for murdering the guy at the Mm -hmm. UN. So they call it into their station and then um, there's a weird call like the guy, the police officer in the in the front gets a weird a message from some superior saying, actually, do not take him to the police station. Take him to an airport. And he goes to the airport where he is met by the professor. Professor Exposition. (laughs) One of the CIA or FBI guys we saw from the beginning of the movie and seemingly the one who most wanted him dead, but but is now willing to... Now the, the... the plot has progressed to a point where he they it's more beneficial for them to use him by having him continue to pretend to be George Kaplan. Yes. He also uh, tells him that Eve is also actually undercover. And he's like, oh, no, I must save her now. Yeah. And so off to Rapid City, they go to Mount Rushmore. Yeah. So the whole idea, and this is you know gradually revealed throughout the movie, is that um Van Dam is a Cold War. He's selling uh US secrets to the Soviets. Mm-hmm. Um inside this monkey idol is microfilm containing some kind of government secrets. And the FBI CIA guys created George Kaplan as a fake spy to try to ferret out Van Dam. Van Dam thought Van Dam thought the spy was real and got his henchmen to kill the spy. The spy never existed, but that's how they can why they confuse why yes. they think that uh, Roger is a person named George Kaplan. And so they're like, since Van Dam thinks that George Kaplan is real and we need to catch him, you need to pretend to be George Kaplan. Roger refused to do it until they say, oh, <laughs> oh no, but you got. But you got even trouble because she's an agent as well and she's in love with you. And so Roger being the chivalrous guy that he is, like, I gotta save her. Yeah. Um But and so he does, so they do a whole thing where they fake his death with Eve shooting him with uh uh, uh blanks. Yeah, in a cafeteria <laughs> of Mount Rushmore. <laughs> Great scene. Um they fake his death so that she can escape. But it turns out uh, the professor lied and Eve is not escaping. She is merely trying to prove that she's still on Van Damme's side by fake shooting him and that now she has to get in a plane and leave with them. 
Um, and Roger does not want to do this because well, they're in so love. He, blah, no, blah, blah, but blah. he also finds out that Leonard knows that the, that's not the till, gun is blank. That's later. We're still in the part where he, he's got to escape from the professor first. Oh, Okay. Yeah, Whatever. he's at a he's at a hospital after being fake killed, and yeah, yeah, he yeah. he tricks uh, the professor, and he's like, "Oh yeah, that I used to be angry. I was fake angry that she was gonna leave with you, but I'm totally cool with it. Fuck Eve, I hate her. Um, why don't you go get us a drink, uh, a bottle of uh, bourbon, and we'll have a good drink to how well this operation went. And once the professor leaves, um, Archie sneaks out the window and climbs down, uh, yeah. climbs down the side of a building. Like, psych, I do love her. And he says, whew, glad I'm done climbing on the top of tall things for the rest of the movie. <laughs> uh, so then he goes to the swanky, like, uh, matte painting house, mansion oh, that Van Damme is staying on that is about five feet from the top of Mount Rushmore. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he's watching in the window. And Leonard reveals, uh, Martin Landau, that he has saw figured out that the gun was blanks and that eve is actually um is actually double crossing them and that when they get on the plane they sh and van damme's like okay when we get on the plane then i'm just gonna push her out the window push her out and kill her so there's a whole thing where archie has to get her attention by throwing a match not archie <laughs> Fuck. Roger Thornhill. <laughs> I keep wanting to say Archie. So many aliases. <laughs> Archie is Cary Grant's actual alias. Yeah, Archibald Leach. <laughs> His birthday. Um, uh, but anyway, so he gets her attention, and then the fake uh, Townsend from before, the woman comes out with a gun, but that turns out to be the blank gun, so he escapes her. Yeah. And so yeah, and so Roger uh, escapes with Eve. They're driving, and, and they have the, the idol. And they have the idol. They uh, they run out uh, from the car into a forest, but it turns out that they're at the top of Mount Rushmore. So where can they go? But down. Gotta climb it. Um, so they climb it. Um, there's a whole thing where they're climbing. Valerian falls off. Um, uh, then in a great. A f early effects shot of just like guy flailing in front Whoa! of a green screen. Um, then Eve slips and dangles and Roger grabs her and he's dangling and then Leonard comes over and steps on his hand and they're about to fall and then all the CIA FBI guys appear with a park ranger who snipes Leonard. Yeah, who just snipes him and is like, oh, I wish we didn't have to play this dirty with guns. And I'll be honest, <laughs> this is so aggressively anticlimactic. I didn't even see Van Damme get arrested. I had to look it up on Wikipedia. Apparently Van Damme gets arrested at some point. Oh, really? I, yeah, I haven't noticed that either. I, it doesn't matter. No, it, it feels like we're like, here's, I thought we could rush through this plot, but there's so much that happens and none of it matters. Yeah, that's the thing. It's a, it's a romp. Um, and then, uh, and then Roger's like, like, grab my hand to Eve. And he pulls her up and we get a match cut to him pulling her up into bed in a train. A they matrimonial bed. Now, now married. Because <laughs> the big character arc was that he could never stay married because he's had two divorces and she could never find a man who wanted to marry her. Well, so he, he was a boring dude and that's why he could not yes. keep a wife. But now he's exciting, dude. And she wants to marry him. Yes, his former wives left him because he had too boring a life. Uh, but yeah, they're married. We get the famous the famous shot where they are in their matrimonial bed. 
And then we cut to a train going into a tunnel. Oh, yeah. Over they and over and over fuck. again. Oh, yeah. Then it reverses, <laughs> goes back in, and then it shoots a conductor <laughs> all over her cervix. <laughs> um, yeah. So what, North did you, so what did you think for uh, your first time watching North by Northwest? Um, was there any purpose for us going with that plot? I, I thought it was, there was so much. First, The first half is hilarious uh, and so much fun. The crop dusting scene is so wonderful. The uh, art auction scene is hilarious. The seed, all the stuff on the top of Mount Rushmore still looks pretty fun. Um, there's so much of it that's fun. God damn, do I fucking hate the Eve Eve character. Yeah, she's Not sort of... the character, but everything about her. Yeah, she's definitely a weak link in this. I would say she's also like, out of all the Hitchcock blondes, mm -hmm. she's probably my least favorite too. Like, she has, I, I don't know, yeah, like. Wait, it is. Yeah, I don't like her. It's just insane that they would fall for each other. Yeah. It's absurd. It's like. It's it's just a very 1959 thing that they hook up in the subway and on a train. So now they must be in love, or else it would be unethical. Uh, I guess no, but I feel like that happens in a lot of movies where, like you know, like that you meet a mysterious stranger right. or something. I feel like that still happens. But we just never really get a like. Um, okay, so the scene that we're supposed to get the impression that she's actually falling for him and no longer just faking it. So first she's like acts like she's got the hots for him and it's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. But then it's like, oh, no, she's actually playing him. And it's like, thank God. Mm -hmm. But then so when they're walking away, when he's disguised as the uh, uh, train uh, bellboy or bellhop, whatever, whatever, a porter, uh, porter, the porter. Yeah. And they're escaping from the train, escaping the police. Um, she looks and sees uh uh, Leonard and, and Van Damme following close behind them and she clearly doesn't really like, she's not thrilled with them we find out later because she's a double agent but then he says something like he says something like uh, uh, it's just something silly where he's like, it's like you know, you're a real good girl to me um, <laughs> uh, I just want to thank you for how good you've been to me, you're a real fine girl and she gives him a wistful look and we're supposed to be like Oh, she's actually developing feelings for him. And it's like, why? <laughs> he, <laughs> I, 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 I uh, it doesn't just give it. You have to give us something else to explain or just be like, yeah, they have the house for each other. Maybe the fucking was real good. It doesn't <laughs> matter. And he's just like a fine guy. And I'm fine with her having a problem with sending him off to his death, especially since she's a double agent. Right. But just. The end of the movie is like by the, we get to the scenes at the end of the movie where she is weeping because she has to leave him to go on her mission and it's just so stupid. <laughs> Maybe she's also weeping for her own fate. You don't know. Which is fine if it was played that way that was yeah. fine. Yeah, or if I mean, this movie ended with her revealing that she was still playing him at the end <laughs> and she was just just like, "All right, see you later." And you know what? It's so um we we mentioned Archie. Um uh, we mentioned uh, the name Archie, and I, I had forgotten that Archibald Leach is the real name of um, Cary Grant. Of Cary Grant. And I went, wait, why do I know that name? And I was like, oh, yeah, Archie Leach is John Cleese's character in A Fish Called Wanda. Mm -hmm. And it really feels like this is kind of 
that that movie was kind of playing off this this kind of idea with a little more um, British gangster tropes mm-hmm. uh, more than spy things. But with the MacGuffin and everything and a regular dude caught with a, a bunch of criminals due to, you know, co- coincidence. But in that movie, like they that, that if I remember correctly, that movie it keeps the question alive of whether Wanda actually has any feelings for Archie at all True. until the end of the movie. And I think it's still unclear. No, I thought at the end they do like each other. Well, they're on the plane together. Yeah. But I think it's still like you mm. still have the impression that at any moment, like she's going to fucking ditch this. Well, dude. I think they it, like, yeah, because I think that whole movie is about like these people who have like scrupulous morals and are out there for themselves more than anything. So, yeah, I'm sure like there could be a scenario where she abandons him. But I think we're supposed to think that like she does truly care for him. Yeah, I guess it's just like. In this movie, there's just something so insane about, like, you meet someone on a train. You hook up with them. You've known them for 10 hours. And then the next day you find out that they were actually in league with criminals and were just trying to play you. And you're like, I, you betrayed me. I loved you. It's like, why would you ever think that and not just, oh, man, I've been had. I mean, I know, but I feel like in terms of, like, this is a trope in movies. I feel like that's yeah. a weird thing to be upset about. I agree with you. It sucks. But like, it's also like it happens so much that I feel like I don't even really have a problem with it. It's not like a trope that I like. I mm. prefer it wasn't there, but I feel no, like. you love it. I, I mean. You yeah. love it. Yeah, I love it when women are just props <laughs> in movies. Uh, but yeah, it's just, it's like, whatever. Like, it just. I think it's just like it's clearly the most dated element of the movie. Right. You know, and and obviously, like, we can make fun of lines like I'm 26 and unmarried and that's all you need to know. But like we that seems absurd now. But that was the society we lived in. How old is um uh, in a streetcar named Desire? How old is Blanche supposed to be? I don't know. But I don't Blanche is like Blanche is like 29. <laughs> The one of the most famous old like uh, old widows uh, or old maids in uh, theater history is like twenty nine. Well, you know, it was uh, Vivian Lee. You gotta you gotta give it to the Viv. Yeah, how old is the character of Blanche Blanche Dubois? So Blanche. So, I mean, how can I find this out? I guess I can see. So it was it was from nineteen fifty one. Mm-hmm. Vivian Lee. Was well, I'm not talking about the actress. I'm talking about the character. All right. Well, she was 38, so I assume she was playing someone who was 38. Um, I don't think so. Uh, da 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 da. Blanche Bot H. Because there was an article. Uh, I remember years ago there was an article that pointed out that um, uh, in the streetcar named Desire, named Desire, Blanche Bois' character is the same age as um. Zoe Deschanel's character in the first season of New Girl. Really? Yes. <laughs> uh, let's um, see. And it's just like how different we look at like that. They age. say Blanche Dubois, a middle-aged high school teacher. That's the plot synopsis from Wikipedia. Yes. Well, that's yeah. She's considered middle-aged, and they're both. That was why people were pointing them out because they're both teachers. But I think they're. Here, I'm looking it up. Different. This is exciting podcasting. Yeah. Why are we on this? Uh, because oh, it was you're like proving a point. Well, it's because I'm just saying, like, obviously, yes. Uh, Blanche Dubois is the same age as Jess from New Girl. Here are two fi- fictional women who are the same age. This is an article from The Toast by Daniel Mallory Orkberg. Um, 
Thank you for crediting. They're both you. supposed to be 30 years old. Middle-aged? Why would they say that in the plots now? Yeah, because that was what it was considered. Blanche Dubois is 30. Jess in the first season of New Girl is 31. Oh. Um, Who's that girl? <laughs> it's Blanche. <laughs> but, uh, but like, so that was, so like, obviously that's dated, but that was like, that's the way people felt at the time. But the crazy thing is, yes, the idea of people just falling in love instantly in the way they do. But feels... like, I've, you could say that about speed, like, you know, like. Yeah, but they're not like, let's get married at the end. And also right, they have. That's like haste coach. Also, like... they have yeah, they have way more scenes where they're like, in speed where they're just like bonding and not being like, I hate you, you evil conniving whore. Well, they bonded in that night in the train. They bonded when she didn't shoot him. <laughs> I, I, it's. They had that like quiet scene in the forest before like all the shenanigans started happening. I mean, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying that like it happens in so many movies. No, I, I, yes, obviously it does. People fall in love instantly all the time in movie. Any movie that takes place over the course of a day, someone's gonna like fall in love. Right. But it just feels weird. So much of the plot motivations in the second half of the movie are based around these characters being in love and us just having to take for granted. And it's just a bummer that all the plot of the second half hinges on the most dated element. It would be like as if the movie mm. had like a dated racial stereotype and then the entire second half was based around the plot. And like like if the entire second half of the movie was like, we have to go back because the money fell into the hands of those Jews. And as we all know, Jews are greedy. And that was the entire second half of the movie. Sure. I, I don't think it's quite that bad. But <laughs> All right. So do you want to grade this up? Um, yeah, is there yeah. Any, any anything else you want to talk about? Any like specific uh, scenes? I or? mean, I mostly I just love some shots in this movie. That well, what are your favorites? I, I love the UN aerial shot oh, where yeah. you kind of see it from like the top, and it kind of looks like there's a person running through it. So I assume it's a real shot, but it no, looks it's, it's, almost like it's a matte painting with yeah. one with it's a it's a matte painting with the top of with the camera filming a person from above and then projected tiny running into it. It is yeah, one of the it, coolest matte painting shots I've seen. Yeah, so that's like, it looks so, it looks like an art piece. And yeah, it always looked fake to me, but then I always doubted it. Uh, anyway, uh, so I like that. The score is very good. Like the opening over the UN windows is very great. Mm -hmm. The uh, Yeah, so all that stuff I really like. And I like sort of the epic scale of it, but also... How kind of like slow it is sometimes too. There are like all these like lengthy talking scenes and stuff in it too. Whereas I feel like a movie these days would have to like can't have both almost. Like you're either like nonstop action or there's just, you know, people talking. It seems like there's no patience for both in action movies these days. So I kind of enjoy that. Yeah. And yeah, I just like how funny it is. Cary Grant is great. He plays dapper so well. <laughs> and also just like, I like how he, on the one hand he is super dapper, but also how uncool he is. Yeah. Like he loves his mom, like loves doing all that stuff. He's, yeah, he's like kind of a nerdy dude. Who, who, okay. It's, I, I was thinking about this a lot in the beginning when I realized it was like, so this is famously a thriller. But I think that, like, if this came out today, you'd just call it an action comedy. Yeah, I think it would definitely be an action comedy. So if this was remade today, 
who would you, how would you update it? Uh, who would we cast? Because he, he probably wouldn't be like an ad exec, like an ad man. Who? What kind of urban archetype? Sophisticate. Would, yeah. Uh, yeah. Could he be like a product manager? Like a tech company or yeah, something. I think like either, something yeah, like either that. a stupid tech company or like uh, maybe works at like a blog or something. Something dumb. Yeah, like something sort of frivolous, but that has like cachet in like, you know, the business world or like the sort of like the they, New York cultural elite. What are the things they say about ad execs? In his conversation with Eve on the train, she says something like, oh, or something like you, you, you make things up and trick women into... Oh, maybe. So I think yeah. there's the movie makes some connection between the fact that uh, ad ad men and spies are both all about lies. Oh yeah, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. So I wonder I if there's the some time. there's some modern connection we could make. I mean, obviously, <laughs> I mean, advertising still exists. I mean, yeah, advertising still exists. In fifty uh, sixty years later, or the he could be Madison like, uh, yeah, he could be like, I don't know, working for like. Twitter or something like that, and then or like Facebook. I I was thinking it's and so obnoxious like the and the hacky gender swapped remake. But I I was thinking like if this was a woman and like uh and um the Eve character was a hunky dude, I don't I'd be more okay with it. <laughs> I'd be more okay with the hunky dude falling for the female Roger instantly than I am with the twenty six year old Eve falling for. I feel like the men's rights orgs are gonna be <laughs> against that. Um, uh, but yeah, I think who would you cast? Well, let's okay. Let's let's uh, pre gender swap. Who would you ca- who would you cast in a remake? I don't know. All right, let's, like, let's first let's John Hamm. Like John, to, no, I feel like ad exec. <laughs> right, I feel like that. That I mean, yes, that's the because I feel like you do want like a, like a dapper doofus kind of guy, and I feel like he plays that fairly. I think well. the character wouldn't be in their fifties in a modern version. Oh, so you think it would be like late thirties? Maybe Army Hammer. Army Hammer. I think he'd be more of a putz. One. I think like. I think Army Hammer can play a putz though. I think he's fairly sure. good. I've. I feel. I was watching this movie. I feel like if this movie came out ten years later, it would be Woody Allen. <laughs> like I. Well, re- he has done. Uh, what was it? Take the money and run. Yeah. Like, that's like the thriller. I really think like this. This character, like instead of being an urbanite kind of like. Pris of that kind, it would become more of a like nebbish. So you would literally cast like Jesse Eisenberg in this, yeah, or like Michael Sarah. Well, yeah, that's how who would be cast in these movies? Like the type of movies that very much I are playing know. on this I, idea. I, I would love to still. I think like the aura. If I were making this still, I would want to keep the aura of like the sort of like the classiness. I would not want him to be like the nebbish like Woody Allen type who like stammers a lot. He still yeah. has to be like a confident dude. All right, then I was thinking either either Jason Bateman or Will Arnett. Mm. Yeah, I can see that. I feel like that would be like almost too comedic. I, I, you know what? I like my Army Hammer choice. Okay, you're going to Army I, Hammer. I'm gonna keep my because like when I feel like the when he played the Winklevoss twins, I think like that's sort of what you need. Mm-hmm. Like those guys. It's like, well, there's no protocol for this. Like at the Harvard School. <laughs> I think like that, like watching that scene with Larry Summers and the social network, uh-huh. I think like that's the guy I want. Is so you still want this to be a like upper class dope? Yeah, I want it to be I, I wanna keep all that stuff. I, I like all that stuff. 
Um, so this is like, so like, <laughs> we could take someone from like some like the cast of Succession. Like it's uh, a yeah. the Kulk, Is that Rory or Kieran? Which Culkin is in Succession? Uh, I think it's Kieran because Rory is the super young one, right? Or I guess they're all not young yeah. anymore. <laughs> I think Kieran is the middle brother because this is the middle brother, right? It's the one from Scott Pilgrim. Yeah, and Fargo. Oh, right. Yeah. Didn't he die at the beat of spoilers? Um, <laughs> wow, we're so afraid of spoiling shows that have been off I think he like air. dies in like the first episode of the season. He's oh, in. it's such a good episode. Um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so I think it would, I would army hammer and for the lady. Okay, well, let's do the non-gender swapped. Who's, who's Eve? Yeah, so that's what I'm thinking. Oh, okay. Uh, so who would be Eve? Uh, whew, that's rough because yeah I really don't like the performance in North by Northwest and I don't really like the character but if we're improving on the movie and well, it's if, not gonna be if we keep the movie exactly how it is we could have who's a 50 we could have Will I would be like fucking Jason Bateman and Zendaya and she's like <laughs> I'm so old and unmarried <laughs> I mean uh, let's see because like if we want to give her like some agency and like have her be like smart and all that stuff I mean Tessa Thompson could be kind of cool yeah She's I think they, they would absolutely ditch the idea so she we keep saying that Eve is a double agent but she is not like a CIA agent she's a mistress of Van Damme who is turned by the CIA yes. and I think certainly a, a modern update would get rid of that idea and she would just be an agent yeah, I think she would just be an agent. She would be ahead of Thornhill on a bunch of stuff. She would be like helping him without like letting him know, like with with him being too dumb to realize that she was helping right. him. Because one of the like one of the scenes I hated is there's a whole scene where like the one real like moral stand that the movie takes is that um uh. uh is uh, uh, Roger says to the professor, if you need to, if the only way you can win this Cold War is to use young girls like that and ruin their lives, maybe you don't deserve to win the Cold War. <laughs> and it's like, that's the moral. So the movie's really like, hey, it's fucked up that our spy agencies are using women spies. They should be at home. <laughs> yeah, they should be at home spying on their children. <laughs> uh, um, so I think that idea would be very much gone from a remake. But yeah, you're going, so your your version is Ar Army Hammer. And well, at this point, why don't we just do, why don't we just pull a Men in Black International? Yeah, no. <laughs> Though I suppose, no, I think like he's too... Yeah, no, he's I too prefer, much of an action star. Yeah, I prefer and that's why Army I, Hammer. I think, like, because uh, uh, despite being in fairly good shape for a man in his fifties, um, diets were better in the in the actual fifties. Uh, yeah, Roger Thornhill, uh, Cary Grant does not look like an action hero. This movie, we see him shirtless. Yeah, uh, he's got a thin, wiry nineteen uh, fifties body, but he's not like ripped. That's true. So uh, I, I think. So who would be your lady or your Eve? Um, okay, so I'm going. So my version stars Will Arnett. Okay. I think I've made this Will Arnett over and Amy Poehler. No, you know what? I'm going back to my my version stars Jason Schwartzman. Oh God. It's Jason Schwartzman as a putsy, uh, uh, as a guy who runs a shitty blog. <laughs> he runs a a shitty media company um, where he's presumably just laid off all the writers. <laughs> um, 
And uh, my female, so yeah, this is like uh, like the the dude who ran Mike or something. <laughs> um, and uh, my female lead is going to be, you know, I'm going the opposite direction. My female lead is Helen Mirren. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Eve Marie Sott. Yeah, <laughs> still yeah. her. No, it's still her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. So, what if we were doing the opposite then? No, I like. You know what? I'm gonna. Who's in? Um, I I heard Huckabee. Is that Isabel Huppert? Huppert. Oh Huppert? yeah, Isabel Huppert. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going with them. That's that's my duo. Isabel Huppert. And She's Jason the Man. female spy. Okay. Um, but yeah, in the gender swapped version, I'm going with. I mean, I guess you, you go with like an Anne Hathaway or Reese Witherspoon. Ugh, no. Uh, I. Who could play a real? Oh no, I want to go with a uh, um from fucking uh Good Place, Jamila. I was actually gonna go oh, really? with Kristen Bell. <laughs> Kristen Bell would be really good, but I I like the idea of Jamila. What is her name? Jamila 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 that- Jamil. I think yeah. Sounds fake. <laughs> that like the name is just the same thing with an A on it. But I think we're right. Yeah. Jamila Jamil. Jamila Jamil. Um, yeah, I like her still being like that kind of upper class the way she is in that that show. Or I could see it being like an like an Emma Watson or something type. That would be fun. Yeah. She feels like she she, she always comes across as too competent. That's true, Hermione. I mean yeah, she has to be. Uh yeah, I suppose you're right. Um, Belle, <laughs> her best role, the super necessary remake of Beauty and the Beast. Let's see, who else could as be? we as we cast an unnecessary remake <laughs> of North by Northwest. Okay, so who would be the, uh, the Eve character? Yeah, Evo. Um. Well, I started to say Jason Statham, and then I realized I'm just making Spy. <laughs> and you know, I thought about Spy while watching this movie because this Spy is so good. I you don't like Spy? No, I don't <laughs> like the second half of Spy for similar reasons. I don't like the second half of this one in that, um, not as this one. I'm more at a problem with the Eve Kendall character, but they both have the weird thing where we set up a a klutzy a klutzy goofus is trapped in a spy world and. We know because it's a comedy, they're not going to die. They're not going to get shot in the face. Mm. We know they're eventually going to succeed. And in both movies, I want to see them succeed through the skill set they have. Mm-hmm. Like I like at the beginning of Spy, Melissa McCarthy's character is set up as being really smart. And in the second half, we don't see her be smart. She, she suddenly learns karate. <laughs> yeah. And in the beginning of the movie, she can't sit in a chair without like her jacket ripping. <laughs> I guess you're right. Like I, I still like that. Why does she know karate in the second half of that movie? She learned. She should just be smart. That was what her character was. Um, <laughs> but then it's not an action movie. Oh, okay. Oh, I think I have it. I'll, well, it, I'll, I'll it, take Kristen Wiig. It, it wasn't an action movie to begin with. I thought it was. It wasn't was a really good, good, good action movie. I liked it. Mm. Uh, all right. I'm going to go with Kristen Wiig. She's going to be my uh, Roger Thornhill. Oh, I thought you said she was going to be your uh, Eve. No. Eve Ke- uh, Ooh, can we do a lesbian one? Yeah, let's uh, do. Okay, so Kristen Wiig and uh, let's see, um, Isabel Sandra Hoover. Bullock. <laughs> All right, Sandra Bullock's a spy. Sandra Bullock is a spy, and Kristen Wiig. Sandra Bullock would be a very good Roger Thornhill, though. So I, I, I could also go the opposite. All right. I think Sandra Bullock belongs in this movie. <laughs> 
Um, or like Sandra Bullock and Aquafina. <laughs> <laughs> Who's your Leonard? Ooh, Aquafina would be my Leonard. Really? Yeah, I think she would be good. Aquafina is your your she threatening henchman. She could be a badass. All right, I didn't see the farewell. <laughs> I guess I mostly know Aquafina from Crazy Rich Asians, and so I'm just imagining that character. Uh, let's see, who else would be a good? Uh, I don't know. Casting is hard. I have real appreciation. <laughs> well, for, that's why it's a real job. Uh, yeah, yeah, I have a real appreciation for casting agents. Do you have anything for Leonard? Um, I mean, this is lazy, but Jesse Plemons has placed, played a bunch of uh, creepy henchman roles. That's true. He would be good at well, it. Who would, be, who would be fun and surprising? Someone, Macaulay I mean, Culkin. All right. Yeah, sure. I mean, that would be surprising. That would be a fun comeback as a creepy henchman. That could be fun. I would like that. I think he would be good because, yeah, kind of like, or, yeah, that would be, that would actually be pretty good. I like right. that. Okay, so um, I, I want to keep going with this. Okay, so this is our remake. So we've recast. Okay. We're replacing Mount Rushmore. We need somewhere even. We see someone even better, or replace one of the the Mount big Rushmore. set pieces. Oh. So uh, okay, fine. We'll replace so you the have UN. UN? Okay. Where's a more fun place for a murder to happen? Oh God! I mean, the Senate floor. <laughs> uh, during the impeachment hearings, I think uh, I think we don't go. I think uh, we don't go political. I think put it on a Broadway stage. That could be fun. He murders the lead actor in Hamilton. Uh, yeah, during the like when during the duel, he yeah. kills Aaron Burr. Yeah, <laughs> that could be fun. I I'm thinking like since we have like kind of like a tech media angle, okay, it could be fun if it's like I don't know like the Apple like events when they're unveiling like new iPhones. So he kills it's, it's Tim Tim Cook. Tim Cook. <laughs> I think that could be fun. Um, so yeah, maybe something like that. That would be good. I don't know. Crop dusters. I feel like, yeah, I suppose he could, but he would have to take like an Uber there. He would not take a bus. <laughs> so he'll take an Uber. Uh, and yeah, I think like the trickiest part is probably like, like phones and stuff. I feel like a lot of just like, I feel like the only. Like there's so many things that phones make so easy. Well, these actually, days. this this movie actually wouldn't be as hard as some others because he's a fugitive, right? So, so he therefore, he losing. shouldn't use a phone. Yeah, so he doesn't want to be tracked and all right. that stuff. And he's like, he maybe like a running thing would be that he has to check like Twitter or his Instagram, and he's like. <laughs> Yeah, they find him because he signed on to Instagram. He just wanted to see the comments. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or like, yeah. So after like he like kills Tim Cook or whatever, he like <laughs> wants to like see his mentions and like <laughs> he's like, and he's yeah, he's worried that he's not never like gonna hit it on Tinder anymore. We didn't talk about um, Roger's hilarious uh, disguise. When he's on the run, which is just him wearing big, stupid sunglasses. <laughs> well, Ooh. yeah, like, yeah, the police is pretty dumb in this movie. Oh, uh, but yeah. Uh, uh, All right. I, oh, I think uh, we, we, we've basically filled in our, ooh, that wouldn't, fit, ooh, wouldn't fly today. That's true. It's basically just 
everything about the Eve character. Yeah. Uh, was there anything else? No, let's do no, it. No, it's actually, it, it, it still plays pretty well. Yeah, I really still very much like it. All right, let's give it a letter grade. All right. Three, Three two, two, one, A minus. All right, off by half. Take, it's, it's the Eve. It's the Eve <laughs> minus. The Eve minus. All right, well, looking back to the week ahead. Looking back to the week ahead? Or looking forward to the week that's before. A, that's our time traveler. <laughs> our time traveling gets yes. us so confused. I'm on all sorts of wavelengths that you can't even <laughs> perceive. Okay, so we have this coming week. The Joker, or Joker, I guess. There's yeah. no All right, up. we'll be seeing The Joker. Yeah, we'll be seeing it. Uh, yes, I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about with that. That's also the <sighs> only new wide release, because Lucy in the Sky, a.k.a. the diaper astronaut lady movie without the, the diaper, uh, opens only on 30, 38 screens, and uh, there's also a new Alma DeVar movie, which... Pain and Gain. Yes, which I'm sure is going to be great. Yes, we will be seeing the Joker. So it's Pain and Glory. If he was oh, pain remaking and Pain and Gain, I would have <laughs> loved it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's still it's still weirdly autobiographical. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I hope you're all not as sick of hearing about the Joker movie as I am, because we are going to be talking about the Joker movie next week. Yeah, most likely. Hope you don't get shot when you see it, John. <laughs> I hope you don't get shot when you see it. Aw, thank you so much. And so are you, listeners. Can we all just point out how fucking insane it is that right now, across the country, people are terrified that the latest movie by the director of Old School about a cartoon clown is going to drive the nation's virgins crazy. Yeah, it's insane. Well, I'm sure we'll be talking about that at length next weekend. Uh, All right. So let's go recover our uh, box office time machine from inside the crop duster, John. <laughs> we'll put it back together. Until next time. Oh, no. Well, let's just steal this other time machine that's here. Oh, okay. Yeah, that works. All right. Toot toot. Toot toot. Toot toot.